0: Welcome to a very exciting SmackDown edition of the Hollywood Heels podcast. I am one half of your co hosting situation, the rock star, the renaissance man, the Duke Russo. And I am joined by the divine voice himself, Henron. Dude, Henron,
1: are you fucking pumped? for this episode i'm about as pumped up as the special guest uh that we had on this episode of smackdown feeling jacked feeling rock hard as some might say uh what do we have going on tonight well we
0: have smackdown coming from denver colorado uh we had a light match card four matches in this we had finn balor versus aj styles Finn Balor collects the win after a little bit of help from Jimmy Uso. We had Street Profits versus LWO. LWO wins the Minutemen of the Night Award, lasting maybe 60 seconds on aired television as the Street Profits get the best of them. LA Knight versus The Miz, as if we needed another one. And LA Knight hits another BFT and gets another pin. And the last match was Asuka versus Bailey. A little uh, interesting match here. Asuka gets the pin on Bailey with a quick backslide. So, to open the show, we have an entrance by Pat McAfee. And, uh, like, I'm a, I'm a Pat McAfee fan. As far as like football goes, as far as WWE goes, I kind of usually like, why is he here? And that was also kind of the vibe I got from the crowd. Like they weren't really all that hype about it. Um, He gets down in the ring and and tries to do the Jey Uso up and down and getting the crowd going and they just not having it. (laughs) And uh, before he really has a chance to do or say much, he is interrupted by a town down he comes down to the ring and austin theory says that this is not smackdown it is austin theory live that he is 26 years old and on top of the world and all pat mcafee had at 26 years old was a mug they've got unfinished business and he told him he was going to hurt him and put him off on the sidelines like aaron Rodgers. and as a jets fan I took that shit personal, man. Like I've never hated Austin Theory more in my life than in that moment. So, Pat commented on how he was very flattered that Austin Theory comes out in a black tank top and and black bottoms just like him. And Theory liked to point out that he looks like a Greek god in a black tank. However, Pat Looks like he should be flipping fries. I don't know if that's what he meant to say. I'm pretty sure he meant to say flipping burgers. I've never really uh, seen anybody flipping fries. M- maybe maybe we're talking about tossing them in the salt, but uh, I can give him benefited benefit of the doubt there. Uh, Pat's talking about how he's enjoying all the local laws in Colorado. A.K.A. he's high as a motherfucker. And he's chilling with Dion. And Pat said that this will never be Austin Theory Live because it is the people's show. If you smell. And we get that music pop. Man, how are you feeling in this moment?
1: Man, like when was the last time we saw this guy? The crowd, you know, the roof blew off the building. It was It was fantastic. You know, love to see it. I was very excited. I heard about it before I actually saw the episode. So I was like, are we serious right now? Like, really? Is that what's going on right now? So I I was I loved it. You know, um, great to see him out there. But he was probably just chilling with homeboy Dion. But maybe some dealings with TKO. They had to get a big face in there to really hype things up after this merger to, you know, boost some more funding that Q3, Q4 numbers, who knows?
0: Yeah, those were kind of the first places my mind popped as far as like the acquisition, that being finalized, Vince coming back. And the fact that, you know, I think we all agree that raw has the stronger roster right now. And Roman shows up once every three months. Um, So SmackDown could, could use a little love and, what better way to give them love than bring back Rocky Maivea? Um, he got the Rocky chance as soon as the music ended. I mean, also, Rock, if you want a little bit better guitar work in your ring music, um, hit me up. I got you. Uh, so this upcoming complaint I have was probably a theme throughout this entire segment. So, yes, it's television, and we we get the holy shit chance. So they're bleeped out, but usually they'll just like bleep out the shit part. They'll leave the holy part. So it's not just like thirty seconds of no audio. I didn't really work on this time. They they just basically had thirty seconds of no audio. Kind of bothered me a little bit. Killed a little momentum on TV. But stay tuned because this is a theme for this segment. Um. Theory asks the rock if he knows whose ring he's in, And Rock tells him to, "Shut your bitch ass up." Finally, the rock hits the, uh, uh, the rock has come back to Denver. Austin Theory tries it. Doesn't work. And he says that finally, people get to see the rock and Austin back in the ring one more time. And they get a much better Austin, than the same same old boring Stone Cold. Rock doesn't appreciate this, and uh, it talks about you know Stone Cold being his homeboy, and the Rock says, "Well, the Rock says it doesn't matter what the Rock says." Theory hits him with. We all knew that one was coming, but his delivery, you know, I'm gonna give it to him on that. Rock, obviously not very pleased proclaims that it actually does matter what The Rock says, and it matters what the people say. And Stone Cold, being his homie, he knows what Stone Cold would say right now. Stone Cold would say, if you want to see me beat this jabroni's ass, give me a hell yeah. We get a hell yeah in response. He talks about the power of the people, and they'll show austin theory exactly what he is so this is where my next complaint is um rock arranges a chant where he says i'm gonna get half the arena to say you are an and the other half to say an asshole so he gets this going and at first i was really confused because for i i thought you could say asshole on tv i didn't think that was uh be i mean didn't we just talk about somebody having an ass in their entry song so you could yeah. say asshole um but they like they cut the audio entirely and then piped in this like fake booing and honestly it killed the buzz from the segment for me i don't know how you felt about that i it was a weird moment
1: 100 i agree um i don't know why they did that i understand just like you said you know we got money to make you know this is a television show yada 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 but come on it was awful on tv it came across very terribly um if i can speak frankly just Blur like completely, you can't hear The Rock yelling, you can't hear Austin Theory yelling. It really threw off the entire segment, and so much excitement built up waiting for The Rock to come back. And then you can't hear a lot of what he's saying because of this little chant that he wanted to do, which okay, it's cute, but it's not anything you've really done in the past before. Cool, you wanted to make the crowd chanted this guy's an asshole but you could have said jabroni you could have said you know candy ass that probably would have gotten across better than asshole
0: but he he did drop a candy ass later and that wasn't bleeped out so um yeah i i don't know i don't know who that falls on but as a tv viewer it kind of killed the segment i'm sure in the arena it was like the most lit experience these people have ever had
1: yeah for sure i live it was probably great and it might have been better i didn't catch it live i caught it on the replay so it sometimes usually when it's live they don't have the time to bleep it out like that so it might have came across better when it was purely live maybe they have clips somewhere where it's uh unedited That you know might be more enjoyable.
0: Well, to me, the fact that they like didn't just cut the audio and they piped in fake booze, they 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 had a plan, you know, and they usually don't have that. That that meant they were prepared for it. That's true. So yeah, uh, that was that was the segment killer for me. As sad as that is to say, Um, so he gets this whole chant going. And uh, he says that I don't know who you are, but I know what you are. And that's an asshole. So we got asshole bleeped out again. Um, and he says that in about three seconds, the rock is about to whoop your candy ass. And so we get the candy ass. That's okay. But theory hits rock before rock has a chance to hit theory. However, it doesn't matter. What theory says. Rock hits him with a spine buster. Sets him up in the middle of the ring. And we all know what's next. One of the most exciting moments. In sports entertainment. A long dramatic people's elbow. We get the lovely leg kicking arm action. It's fantastic. And then Rock has to for some reason invite. Fucking Pat McAfee to do it. And it was horrible like dude snoop dogs was better um yeah i don't i don't know it it, yeah it wasn't it didn't do it for me for the rock coming back pat mcafee should not have been in this segment in my personal opinion like he had no business being in the four-year return of the rock
1: yeah it was very weird um i'll kind of go through my, my little highlights for this segment um It seemed, and I love Pat McAfee. I listen to his podcast here and there. He's a great guy. He's funny, and I enjoy the stuff that he's done in WWE. You know, the short time that he has been around. Yeah, it's been mainly with Austin Theory, but he's kind of, you know, beat the guy, embarrassed the guy, and I don't like Austin Theory, so I enjoy that shit. But, you know, his biggest fan seems to be Michael Cole, who was just so excited uh, that he was here and that he arrived um he got to give the lovely you know welcome to friday night smackdown intro which do they do that on smackdown i thought that was a i know that's a raw thing i don't i don't remember the last time somebody told me welcome to friday night smackdown but maybe i just haven't been paying attention um here comes austin theory he did have a nice line with the aaron Rodgers comment i knew you were gonna (laughs) enjoy that one most definitely it hurt inside and we knew where things were lining up when he's talking about this is Austin Theory Live, this is my show, yada, yada, yada. We knew whose show this actually is and who was eventually going to come out and talk to us. It's weird to see this is where they put him at. Um, Pat McAfee. In
0: Denver, Colorado?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. That's why I kind of lean towards other reasons besides anything actually related to the show, the storylines. Because there was a lot of family drama that went on, and he was nowhere to be seen for any of that family drama. No, nobody acknowledged it. Um, one one tweet, or I'm sorry, one post on X that made me laugh was somebody was like, has anybody told this man his daughter is in a cult? <laughs> that was a good one. But they had a nice little promo battle, and they gave Austin Theory a lot, and If Austin Theory wasn't so hated and The Rock wasn't who The Rock is, this could have all gone awry for The Rock, the good guy. Because when Austin Theory hits the line on him, it doesn't matter what The Rock says. The crowd was like, hold on, I kind of like that from this guy. Like He actually got him there. And then The Rock's like, um, actually, it does. And he's just the "Um, um-actually guy. Like, you can't, I don't, nobody respects the "Um, um-actually guy. (laughs) You know? He's the Rock, and that's the only reason he got away with it. But let let this have been anybody else, and um, actually, no, we might have, we might have had the rise of Austin Theory live, you know, in that in that moment. I thought he did well in the promo opposite Rock. Yeah, very good. Um, he's been in in the ring with the Rock now, gone back and forth a little bit. He just had some stuff with Cena, so I mean, they're still trying with the kid. They haven't fully given up on him and. We see Grayson Waller later, you know, with some Cena action. But I still feel like that's going to come back and connect to all of this somehow. What if we get Cena, Rock versus Waller theory? (laughs) I feel like that's something that they're slowly setting up in the background somewhere.
0: Yeah. To your point, you know, a couple moments I thought to myself of like, what? What more do they feel like they need to do to try to put this kid over? They've given him Cena. They've given him The Rock. Like, Who else have they gone that far out of their way to try to make the crowd react to? I really can't think of anybody. Anybody besides
1: Roman, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it worked with Roman because Roman could
1: do it, but austin theory ain't no roman that he is not um he he did show me that he can actually be a lot better on the promo i wasn't bored i was actually kind of into this segment as much as i hated theory it was actually two characters and not the rock and some jabroni yeah um the only jabroni in the ring unfortunately was pat McAfee just (laughs) chilling in the background just oh my god but i did love his comment that he was enjoying um the legalities in the state in which he was currently hanging out in um high as fuck so good for him yeah yeah he did well there
0: so after this segment we get into our first match of finn balor versus aj styles which i feel like we knew was coming at some point didn't exactly know when and uh
1: Take it away, man. Yeah, we got two former leaders of the Bullet Club back in their New Japan days. Um, One thing they slid in there, I was wondering, where's Ripley? They said she's not cleared after that brutal assault from Nia Jax earlier this week. So that's why she's not around. So I'm glad that they did mention that. But... Quick little match here. Uh, Match wasn't too long. Starts off Finn and AJ. Finn getting that early control, getting some stomps in on AJ in the corner. AJ does come back, hits a nice backbreaker before hitting a sunset flip, rolling over on top of Balor. But of course, Balor rolls through to hit his classic dropkick out of that. Finn tries for a pin, isn't able to get it, and then just kind of grinds a headlock in the middle of the ring for a little bit. Um. At this point, uh, the commentary mentions that the Judgment Day are like Dion Sanders when it comes to recruitment. And man, like, are we gonna get Dion and his kids on this show like we had the Ball Brothers? Like, they every week on SmackDown they've mentioned Colorado or Dion like more than once. So I I don't know. I I feel like there's something there as well. But back to the match. I'd I'd be in it. It's gotta, you know, he's a character. And I, I feel
0: like there's money in that. Oh, there definitely is. If we can have Rodman uh, coming back to AEW, uh, pretty sure that the Sanders family making a WWE appearance would be very beneficial to both sides.
1: But as we get back into the match, uh Finn is still kind of grinding out into this headlock. AJ is able to stand up. Uh, Get a nice uh, slap out of that. We get some rope running before Finn eats a nice drop kick from AJ as he rolls out of the ring. And we get a commercial break as we see Finn hanging out on the outside with Judgment Day catching a break. As we come back, um, AJ is now in control, hitting some chops into Finn before they both sprint into the ropes. And we get a double cross body and they're both just down. Um, while they're both kind of regaining their energy in the middle of the ring, we get a clip from the commercial break where we see AJ Styles eats a choke slam from Damian Priest on the apron before Finn Balor hits a sliding drop kick uh, during the commercial break. Um, as both competitors are rising back to their feet, they just start striking each other. Um, AJ starts getting the momentum, gets a nice forearm splash in the corner. Uh, tries to get Finn up on his shoulders, but Dom runs up on the ring, gets a distraction on the ref as Finn gouges the eyes. Then he hits this weird wheelbarrow face buster. Um, AJ counters back into Finn, but Finn kicks out of that. Um, They then start fighting up top. Looks like we're going to get a huracrana attempt from AJ Styles onto Finn Balor, but AJ just smacks down on his back. As Balor holds on to the rope, um, Balor tries to go up top to hit the coup de gras, but AJ gets up quick to knock him down. Um, he kind of rolls through and is hanging down, head down into the ropes. And AJ Styles grabs him in the perfect um, Styles class po- position, and it looks like it's over right there. But we get some up kicks from Finn Balor. Only for him to kind of pick him up over his shoulders and get thrown down neck first into the knee. Balor rolls back outside um, hanging out with Judgment Day. But Finn, I'm sorry, AJ decides not to let him rest his time. Jumps over the top rope, taking out Finn Balor. Judgment Day, Priest, Dirty Dom kind of back up before Dom tries to rush in. And Dom gets clotheslined down on the ground by AJ. AJ throws Finn in the ring as AJ's trying to get back in. There's a distraction from Priest. Priest grabs his leg, but the ref catches him this time. So the ref ends up giving him the big whirling finger and kicking Judgment Day out, sending him back to the locker room. Judgment Day slowly, begrudgingly fights as they make their way around the ring, um, heading back up towards the ramp. AJ is standing on the apron, trying to line up for a forearm. Jumps in for Finn to dodge it. Um, AJ does regain control, gets him in a powerbomb position, puts his arms up for the Styles Clash. Before we get a surprise run in from Jimmy Uso, runs in only um, to get hit and AJ gets rolled up into a crucifix by Finn Balor. One, two, three, Balor pins AJ Styles and the ref never saw Jimmy. No, and I wonder if we're gonna get another one
0: of these matches. Um, I hope so because these are two awesome in-ring performers. Uh, you know their their history with the Bullet Club alone tells you all you need to know. Um, one thing that I found really interesting about the end is like, so the ref ejects Dom and Priest, and they don't really leave. Like they never really left. That's how. Like Dom comes back to the ring to distract the ref as Jimmy gets involved. So, kind of annoyed me that they got ejected, but basically never left because I don't think they, and it was a pretty decent amount of time. And I don't even think they made it a quarter away down the entrance ramp. Like, they just stood there. So, yeah, that was, you know, my kind of like eh thing about the ending.
1: Yeah, I agree. They barely made it. To the ancient ramp and it kind of mixed up from there. I'm like, I'm sorry. That was blatant cheating. I get it's ref's discretion, but that's a DQ. Just DQ it if you're gonna send him back. You know, I get it if maybe you didn't see him and you're like there's been a lot of shenanigans and I think something's been going on. I can't prove it, but I'm just gonna kick you out. But no, you saw what happened. I'm sorry. Um you lose Finn Balor because that's <laughs> and then we can set up a tag title match. I don't know. Yeah,
0: yeah. I. We're. I. Like I said, I hope we get more of these because I feel like this has potential to be really, really good. I can't remember these two fighting each other. Do you? I feel like
1: back, like maybe five years ago, um, there might have been something, but no, I, I really, I really can't think or name anything off the top of my head.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, Hopefully more to come. So after this match, we get a quick backstage segment with The Rock and Pat McAfee. Um, they're they're chatting over the fact that Denver would have went on for two hours with the "You are an asshole" chant if you let them. And then uh, Pat points over Rock's shoulder and he says, "You know, hey, there's a guy you can't see here." So the camera pans all of two feet to the right. And we see John Cena. We do see him, actually, for reals. And The Rock are face to face. (laughs) And The Rock says, I can see you. There's a a little bit of a stare down between the two. But The Rock says that uh, he can see Cena trying not to smile. And Cena just lets out a giant smile and says, welcome home. They hug it out. And then we cut to Jimmy backstage. He's doing his kind of like uh, I need a cigarette pacing thing in the back. And Finn Balor comes in with a, Hey, yo, oos! thanks for this assist out there, dog, my dog. Keeps emphasizing dog in one of the most like cringe uses of the word of all time. Uh, Jimmy responds that this ain't got nothing to do with y'all. The way I see it is, you helped me last week, I returned the favor, and now we even-oose. So, Finn is just kind of like nodding and saying, you know, oh, oh, we're even now. And uh, Jimmy, kind of proud of himself, is, yeah, you know, pay back to everyone who did me wrong. So, Finn is still kind of just nodding along and saying, yeah, that's cool, that's cool. Hey, I, I seen your brother on Monday. I'm sure you miss him, huh? so jimmy's Jimmy is not the brightest one in the bloodline, but he's bright enough to see that Finn is trying to do something here. And Finn is saying that you know i'm I miss my brothers all the time. I'm sure you miss yours. i I spoke to Jay about joining the Judgment Day, and he didn't say no. So I mean that's basically a yes I guess in in Finn's eyes. So he's he's kind of positioning that maybe both of you join the bloodline. Um you know it would help with the John Cena AJ Styles issue that they've got going on. Jimmy tells him that he appreciates it but we good. We as in the bloodline. Um So Finn's telling me, you know, you know, just throwing it out there. The cool thing about the judgment day, there's no leaders dog. And you know what that means? There's no Roman. So Finn leaves and Heyman comes into the shot. Uh, he he did one of the better jobs of like hiding in the back of the segment and not even noticing. And then just kind of appearing, uh, he he just points to where Finn just left, and no one says anything, and then the segment cuts. So there there's some interesting foreshadowing here on this segment. What do you think?
1: Yeah, this was great. My dog, um, Finn Balor, is on the run of a lifetime. Everything he does is gold. The, what, this, the whole way he was speaking in this segment, why was he talking like that? It was fucking fantastic. Um, It was a cute little segment between The Rock and Cena. You know, it's, it's nice to see them. And one thing I was thinking with a small touch of the next segment here, we had Rey Mysterio, John Cena, and The Rock on SmackDown. When was the last time that's happened? How many years ago were those three on this show together? You know, I just, I don't know when that is, but I was thinking like, fuck. But... We sh- I'm eager to see where this Judgment Day bloodline stuff goes. I know the AJ Styles stuff is just in there to stir the pot until, you know, like that's that's the main part of the soup. He's just the, the spoon that's going to get tossed out until we actually get the final product. But it should be interesting. I wonder if they're going to get Street Profits in the mix. That's my guess. After aj and them
0: yeah i i hope the street profits thing isn't just like filler though because i i really would like to see the titles on them and um there's there's definitely more gold insight by her business 2.0 for sure
1: yeah um and speaking of which that leads us right into the next segment where we had lwo standing out in the ring uh what did we have going on right here man
0: yeah so we got the entire lwo family um Zelina vega and her outfits man like she's just like little raver girl this time i don't i don't know what she's got going on usually but uh you know ray ray's the one with the mic in his hand and he's telling, you know, all the love and respect to Denver and his LWO family. Um, when he first joined SmackDown, he was in one of the hardest times of his life. But the LWO reminded him what family truly represents. And now he's a champion and his family has been is stronger than it's ever been. And Escobar chimes in saying that when Theory attacked him and he couldn't challenge for the title, Ray stepped up and took the title for him. So he looks at Ray and he says that my dream has always been to face my idol Ray Mysterio in the ring with a title on the line. So he issues the challenge to Ray for the US title and Ray looks at him and first says, "Are you serious?" And Escobar is like trying to simmer him down a little bit, saying that he's n- nothing but love and respect for him and Ray was just fucking with him. So he, he's like, I you know I feel the same way, and of course I accept. And this is when we get an interruption by the almighty himself, Bobby Lashley, accompanied by the Street Prophets. Bobby is telling the prophets that we got tag teams falling apart. We got tag teams having some sort of weird love fest in the ring. I said we were going to take over. And it's looking like it's going to be even easier than we imagined. And Dawkins chimes in and he's saying, he ain't lying. Escobar out here asking for opportunity and Ray handing out opportunities like Oprah. Tez hits him with a, you get an opportunity, you get an opportunity, and you get an opportunity. And LWO escalates it pretty quickly and says that they're always ready for a fight and let's go. And then we go into a break and come out of the break into the match.
1: Yeah, I like this little segment here because we knew where we were going with Santos and Ray. We knew eventually we were going to get a match between the two of them. So I'm glad to see them actually progress this storyline because it's likely going to lead into somebody else taking that belt. My first thought, are we getting Tez a belt or is Bobby Lashley going to wrestle I can't really tell where this exactly was going because Bobby didn't wrestle, but there was a little stare down between Ray and Bobby, and there's no way you're giving us a Ray and Bobby match. That might that man might end his career. I'm gonna harp back on my big man, little man stuff, and you can't put Bobby Lashley in the ring with Ray Mysterio, and expect me to believe that anything else is going to happen other than what you can immediately imagine by seeing these two gentlemen standing next to each other. I wish it was happening, but it's probably going to be Escobar Lashley. Which which could be fun. Escobar could do some stuff, but I don't know. I, I'd like to see Tez get it. I'd like to see that. One. I agree. Two belt Tez. You know what I'm saying? Let's get some pump. Let's get some juice. Let's get some action. They had Tez and Bianca during the big TKO merger. So, you know, he had a big face in the company now.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, I appreciate Tez has been on a bit of a bulk. He's
1: definitely put on some weight. You can see him filling in a little bit. For sure. That, that's that, uh, that Gunther mentality. They tell you we need X, Y, and Z. You give them what they want. They better give you what you want, you know?
0: I'm sure uh, the Almighty himself is, is helping him out with some supplements.
1: Oh, man. That's that's the best workout partner you could ever ask for if you're trying to get swole shit. For real. I mean,
0: is, Bobby Lash, uh, Drew is up there, you know, uh, or
1: make a call out to Brian Cage, maybe. Yeah, Brock, you know. And, I mean, Roman's kind of trimmed down a little bit as well from, you know, back in his bulletproof vest days. Yeah,
0: I... Uh, I got nothing
1: to say about Roman now taking a shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> right. But we we will jump back into this match, which they cut to a commercial break after the talking segment, and then we get right into the match in the middle of the match between the Street Profits um, and Joaquin Wild and Cruz del Toro. I'm I'm sorry. Still learning these two gentlemen. I'm not super familiar with them, but we, we quickly jump right into the match. Very soon after the commercial break, all men are into the ring. Dawkins tosses out Cruz del Toro. Cruz is throwing some kicks. He misses one, but gets another one. Tries for a splash, but misses uh, on Dawkins. Dawkins gets the big tag to Tez. We get some rope running before, I believe, Walking Wild gets picked up into the spinning spinebuster that Tez runs off and hits the neckbreaker combo. One, two, three. Michael Cole said something along the lines of revelation instincts. I don't know if that's what this is called, but he randomly said that after they hit this, um, a lot of big words that are, are cool, I guess. Um, but we're chilling. Street Profits are happy. LWO is gathering themselves and Street Profits are talking to Bobby. And Bobby's like, yeah, you know, I love it. He tells them some stuff on the apron and the Street Profits start to beat down on Cruz del Toro. And Joaquin Wild. we get Ray and Escobar to run in there. They try to calm things down. And for a second, Street Profits back down and they're kind of looking at him. And then Lashley steps in, takes out Escobar from behind. And this is where we get that kind of weird stare down between bobby lashley and ray mysterio and then tez i believe tez grabs the leg of ray mysterio and we get a big punch from dawkins to knock him down street profits then you know kind of walk out and everybody's licking their wounds as the segment ends
0: yeah i i was wondering whether we were going to go the lashley ray route or the lashley escobar route but to be honest man i didn't even really see lashley as a u.s champion guy i almost feel like that belt's like a little below him is that is that insulting i'm not sure
1: (laughs) i don't yeah i know like back in the day he was a perennial right underneath the top of the card guy a big icy european u.s guy But he'd be a good title holder for it. you know A nice champion, believable champion to hold that belt down probably until Mania to give somebody a big victory where maybe eventually we get Bobby Lashley preventing opportunities from the Street Profits and taking the U.S. title himself instead of a position that could have been taken by Tez and eventually Tez going face and taking the U.S. title from Bobby Lashley at Mania. That'd be fun.
0: Yeah, I I would enjoy that. Plot line for sure, um, dude, this match was just like, like I said, it was the Minutemen match. It was hopefully the live crowd got a little bit better of a show, but I wrote down the same thing, dude. I was like, is so are they calling that the revelation? I didn't even catch the instincts part. I, I just wrote down like revelation question um, mark. If it was just the revelation, I could get behind that as a name.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, the revelation, revelation, something like that, that'd be cool. And I don't know about the instincts, you know, it was something that Michael Cole was saying in passing, it was hard to fully catch. Um, But I feel like he said that for a reason, just like when Shayna Baszler did her exterminatus or whatever the hell that was. Yeah, it's like, uh, hey, we're we're adding a new
0: finisher onto these people. Um, Hopefully... We get some kind of momentum here with the Street Profits and it leads to a a tag championship reign. But I don't know. As weeks go on, I more and more am starting to feel like they're going to give Judgment Day a fairly long reign here because they're starting to put the Judgment Day in the middle of basically every feud in the company right now. So... I feel like that would mean that they're going to hang on to the titles for a while.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And there's no reason in taking them off unless we split them and they still keep one pair. They keep the Raw while we give somebody the SmackDown. They eventually got to split them at some point, right?
0: I hope so, man. I'm, I'm really tired of all this, like you know, multiple belt-holding, unified but not unified situation. Um I mean, if anything, it just speaks in, to the state of the talent in it. I, and I mean, let's be honest, like the fact that all these legends are coming back, it's fun and it's awesome, but there's a reason they're coming back and it's usually not a good reason. It's like, a, oh shit, Roman's not going to be here for three more months and... SmackDown has very little talent. So let's set up a situation where Judgment Day can appear on both. And then we bring back Cena and then we have Rock show up. And, you know, to me, the belts, all the belts being on the same people is kind of like just as bad of a sign of that. And it may get worse, dude, because I mean, I think a lot of us have seen and heard about the articles that there's going to be more cuts coming. And it's just unclear whether it's going to be in-ring performers included in that or just on the back end. But it could get worse before it gets better.
1: Yeah, I I saw some recent stuff online about recent cuts, and I, I've not looked into anything. Um, but I'm sure we're, we're soon to see things in the next coming days. From what I heard, it was supposed to be more in-office than actual talent. But we'll see. Maybe a lot of this thrown-together stuff that we've been seeing is the effect of some of those cuts already. Who knows?
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, with the merger happening and Vince coming back all at the same time, I mean, obviously, those two are related, clearly. Um, I did see reports that pretty much all the talent want Triple H to be the one calling the shots and, and steering creative. So we'll see if we end up with some of the anti-Vince situations that we've had in the past. Um, I would hope that he would be more apt to step down at this point. And not even really step down, just like let the dude who was already doing it and doing it pretty d- damn good, honestly, um, just continue the, the good work. So we'll see where that goes ultimately. I, I'm hoping there's not going to be a ton of talent cuts because really, I mean there's all the rumors that the WWE is going to land Jade Cargill Um, I think that would be phenomenal for the company I think that that would be the competition for Rhea that we need Um, she's just going to need to be a little bit better on the mic than she's been in the past Uh, so I'm hoping that the rumors of that acquisition um, are an indication that hopefully there's not a whole lot of talent cuts uh, I, I did see that CM Punk made a joke about that he's going to have a lot of free time until basically the date of Survivor Series when Survivor Series is going to be in Chicago. So um, I don't want to like sound like a hater, but I just don't see the point in that. So maybe that is if that does end up happening, that's another indication that there's not talent cuts. I don't know, man.
1: Yeah, I hope they don't. I mean, I don't. I don't want to say I hope they don't hire that guy because if you know he wants to do it, they want to do it. If he enjoys doing it, I'm sure somebody will enjoy seeing it. But it's not my taste. It's not my liking. I guess it'd be something interesting to put into the storyline, but I don't know. I feel like it's just gonna gimp opportunities for some other people, and it might even hinder some. these young up and comers, who knows? But too much drama. I'm over it. Yeah, it, it would just end up being
0: a distraction. So I'm I'm personally hoping that doesn't happen. Uh next up we have what is hopefully the final match in the LA Knight versus Miz Saga. What do we got for this match?
1: Yeah, so On that same note right there, they hyped this thing up like it was a pay-per-view match. They played a long-ass recap about it. They gave them both full intros. There wasn't any commercial break nonsense. They gave everybody the full intro to show everybody out there. Announcers are talking about this is a must-win for The Miz. And I'm just hoping that... I'm like, yeah, it kind of is, but I hope it doesn't, because I'm done with it. Please, I'm done with it. But... We start off in the match and just two grown men. You can imagine the kind of style of a match we have between these two gentlemen. You know, they're not luchadores. They're not cruiserweights. And it's the Miz, unfortunately. So we just get some collar and elbow tie-ups. You know, they're pushing each other, trying to fight for control. Miz gains a little bit of control, grabbing a headlock. Before we get some shoulder tackles by LA Knight, knocking the Miz down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The crowd's loving it. The crowd's just hype in the background. We get a tiny balls chant. (laughs) Never going to live that down. That sucks. We get another shoulder tackle by LA Knight. And then now Miz is just kind of scared. He backs down, crawls into the corner. But all he does is bait LA Knight into the corner so that he can pull him down, slam him face first into the turnbuckle. And then the Miz starts to take over. We get some chops by The Miz before LA Knight makes his comeback. Gets a couple chop on The Miz himself. Um, The Miz is just randomly talking to the ref in the background. Um, And at the start of the match, too, he was talking to the ref early on, like basically telling him, I need you to pay attention. I need that one, two, three. (laughs) As LA Knight's making his entrance. I like the little small things um, that he does in the background. But we get a nice power slam by LA Knight, kick out by The Miz. Um, we then get a nice little neck breaker um, by LA Knight, uh, knocking the Miz to the outside, um, and then we, you know, then the Miz is standing there on the apron. Uh, he gets a nice little shoulder to the gut of the Miz, who's just kind of standing on the other side of the ropes. Before we get a big leaping shoulder block by LA Knight, just throwing himself over the top rope and taking the Miz out with his shoulder. Uh, the Miz eventually kicks out. Um, and begins to regain some control, uh, lines himself up, you know. And the, just The Miz, the entire match, everything he was doing, he was just so slow and methodical with it. He had to pause and line him up and make sure he's at the right angle and look at the ref and look at the crowd and show his frustration. And it it just was a little too much for me, man. Like, he just drug it everything out, and LA Knight was just eating all these moves and it just became a little bit a little bit too much for me Um, that one point um LA Knight's trying to counter the Miz and you know the Miz picks him up for a, a back body drop and LA Knight's supposed to just do the back flip you know over the Miz's shoulder to land on his feet but he completely under rotates i guess and slips on his feet and falls down hard as shit i'm glad he's okay but it those you know, accidents where somebody gets injured. Um, he then, you know, counters back into things, eventually gets a nice um, second row bulldog on the Miz, hits a low running drop kick um, before we get another kick out by the Miz. Um, the Miz then pokes the eyes of the opponent, LA Knight, while just, you know, getting after getting a distraction from the ref. Um, L.A. Knight is trying to gather himself in the corner and we get the classic little Miz combo where he drops that big sliding lariat sitting on the ropes and then pulling him back face first into the S.T.O. And we get a little bit of a commercial break right here on um, the Miz in control, eating some boots um, or giving some boots to L.A. Knight um, before we get a shining wizard knee to the face by the Miz. Um, <laughs> he busted that one out. He tries a goal Cushing finale. LA Knight is able to fight out of that. Um, then gets sent into the corner, um, eating some kicks from the Miz before he counters with a huge clothesline and a big side Russian leg sweep into a DDT. Uh, he's got the fire. He's feeling it. He starts stomping the Miz out in the corner. Um every time we get a stomp, we get the crowd chanting in the back. Yeah. So the crowd's loving it. He does his classic run across the ring, hits him for the big knee. Uh we get a little bit of uh action in the middle of the ring as they fight over a pinfall. Miz trying to cheat, you know, mm-hmm. and one time grabs the tights. Um, but eventually, Ellen Knight gets thrown to the outside and gets tied up in the rope. Um Chest first, Miz pulls his arms back over the top rope as LA Knight is kind of hanging between the bottom and the top rope, lifting his chest back up so just his chest is hanging out, eats a kick, and then Miz hits another beautiful code breaker while an opponent is hanging in the ropes. I love that move. It's great. Um LA Knight does kick out and the Miz just can't believe it. We get a little bit of a back and forth. LA Knight is able to dodge a kick that the Miz Throws. He rolls through, starts to get some big punches on the Miz, gets the crowd hyped up. Miz tries to counter, but he gets picked up and dropped neck first onto the rope as Ellen Knight hits the BFT, one, two, three, and gets the pinfall. Hopefully,
0: that's the last BFT
1: the Miz has to eat. Yeah, I'm glad it ended. He got the pinfall, he grabbed the mic. And he basically said, I want a champion. He said, it doesn't matter if it's Ray, if it's Gunther, if it's Seth, or hell, even if it's Roman. It ain't just a catchphrase. I'm top two, and I ain't two. And tell the crowd to say it one more time. L.A. Night." Yeah. yeah. Uh, We're
0: definitely getting a title run by this guy. It's nice to see the company acknowledge that and and not tease the audience with what they want anymore and basically say, you're going to get it. Now, whether he wins or not, a completely different story. I do think that we're on the right track with we're going to get LA Knight Roman. Possibly that could, I mean, it's reported that Roman's next defense will happen at Crown Jewel. So could be LA Knight Roman at Crown Jewel I saw a Bad Bunny saying that he wants a Roman Reigns match. He doesn't fucking deserve it. Get the fuck out of here, kid. Um, <laughs> give, me, give me L.A. Knight and Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel. And yeah, obviously Roman's going to win. But it's going to be fun. The crowd's going to love it. Uh, and it'll give him enough credibility to challenge anybody in the company. So make it happen
1: yeah um he's got a small rocket he needs a bigger rocket strapped to him keep him up in the stratosphere but keep him away from some of these other big stars um i don't need to see him mixing with the rock with cena i don't need any more of that i don't need any more ms nonsense we'll see what happens next I don't know who he could be going for because it seems Ray's gonna be tied up a little bit with Bobby Lashley and that group of gentlemen. And I don't see LA Knight getting mixed up in there and beating Bobby Lashley. I don't I don't wanna see that because I don't want street profits to fall backseat in a transitional storyline. That sounds whack. I think we're gonna see Gable um taking that I C belt, but maybe we get I mean, maybe Gable's going to be the transitional champion that loses to L.A. Knight. I don't know. Could be. Could be. I do
0: actually kind of like the Lashley taking U.S. and then we get L.A. Knight Lashley. Uh, Because I do hope, even though I I think Judgment Day is going to have the titles for a long time, I do hope that they end up on Street Profits. I I just think they deserve it. I think they just deserve more airtime, period. But as much as we all love LA Knight, I think that we can all acknowledge like his, his in-ring ability isn't always at the top. Um, so I kind of don't want to see him against somebody like Seth. Obviously, Seth is so awesome in the ring that he'll make anything work. Um, I I guess I could see him and Gunther. I could definitely see him and Gable. Um, but to me, I just and La Knight's pretty fucking jack too. So La Knight Lashley, I feel like would be really good. I do think that Roman La Knight will be really good, unless maybe we get Solo La Knight before that. Um, we'll we'll have to see where they want to take this one.
1: Yeah, very, very interesting where this could go. But I think what you said about the Bobby Lashley, I think that's likely where this is going to go because they're both on SmackDown. Ellie Knight's a face, Bobby Lashley's a heel. So I, I think that's probably where we'll end up going in the next pay-per-view or so.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll enjoy that. So after this, we end up with a backstage piece with Solo and Haman watching LA Knight and listening to everything he's saying. Solo tells Haman that he's going to handle this problem. But Haman remarks that this is the kind of order that needs to come from the tribal chief. And he hasn't given me that order to give to you In his, like, kind of, you know, quivering, afraid moment, fearing for his life of disobeying Roman Reigns. So, Heyman tells Solo that they need to concentrate on Jimmy, with all due respect. Jimmy is cutting deals with the Judgment Day. And when that falls apart for the bloodline, Solo's going to be the one to fight that battle. Jimmy's out here picking fights with John Cena. And when John Cena comes for his pound of flesh, you're going to have to fight that battle. Jimmy thinks he's in the bloodline. He's in the bloodline, pointing to his veins, but he's not in the bloodline. And they can only do things like that when Roman Reigns gives them the order to do so. Then Solo can handle that business. Solo being the rogue that he can be at times, is saying that he already knows what he needs to do, and he's going to finish it tonight. And then walks off. Haman, talking to himself, says, but who gave that order? And we get a good all, call Roman Reigns. So, some of this is foreshadowing to what Happens later in the night with Solo, but this is just more of the same, dude. Of like painting that whole Solo has a mind of his own and is starting to have his own opinions about what needs to get done and how it needs to get done. Uh, I I don't think Heyman can really hold on to him much
1: longer. Yeah. Um, the leash, you know, that he thinks is there might not be as tight as he thinks it is. I don't know if this is maybe hinting at something that i kind of was thinking in the back of my head is solo says i already know what i need to do and paul's confused as you know who gave that order what if roman has been talking to solo and leaving paul out what if paul is slowly losing his grip on roman in the bloodline you know that maybe trying to add that little twist in the story as we move into things all i know is Roman is coming back soon? I don't think he's gonna be happy. It doesn't seem any reason why he would be. And man, I hope I'm there when he comes back because it's gonna be fucking great. He's gonna be pissed. It's gonna be an oh shit moment. And I think it's gonna happen when shit hits the fan because solo is already kind of you know, stepping into his loose cannon ways. Just as he said, I'm going to finish this tonight, he looks at the spike and he's like, like Venom, like something in that spike is talking to him. It's something else that's inside of his head and that, you know, that's what's actually controlling him. He's not in control of his own actions. You know, it's the spike. It needs to spike. It needs throats. You know, it needs to finish and find these throats so that it can perform its maneuvers. But of course he calls Roman and we see a taste of that later as well but i don't know i'd love to see exactly where this goes i feel like some shit's gonna go off between jimmy and solo they're gonna end up in a match paul's gonna be telling solo not to do something and solo's mid spike we're gonna hear roman's music drop and everybody's gonna be like oh fuck i can't tell you exactly how they set that up it's going to be nice
0: i do think this is going to be one of the more dramatic roman returns that we've ever had when it happens um and honestly dude i i kind of love the whole Heyman's the one on the outside take uh i would be very interested in them playing that part of it out
1: yeah it could be fun could be fun and then maybe we see like jimmy and paul You know, and Paul's trying to push main event Jimmy instead of main event Jay. And, you know, we could get a cute little spin on that before Paul eventually is like, I've been with Roman this whole time. (laughs) You know? Yeah.
0: Although, I mean, Heyman's been kind of like poking around a little bit. He's he's been talking to Ellie Nye a a little, and, you know, the Judgment Day has no leaders, man, so the door is always open.
1: That's true, my dog, that's true.
0: <laughs> so after this, we get a quick cut to what I believe is Adam Pierce's office, with pretty deadly. Pierce is saying that medical is telling him that Elton's shoulder is healing, and he'll be able to get back in the ring soon. Elton is being a bit dramatic, saying that he is a shell of the man he once was. That the memory of Ridge Holland injuring his shoulder is stuck in his mind and he can't get rid of it. It has the same intensity and clarity of a freshly bloomed flower on a warm spring day. But yet, he can still hear the sound of his bones breaking He can still see the dumb look in Ridge Holland's dumb face as he smiles at his misfortune. Oh, the horror. Pierce is uh, a little lost for words, saying, I don't understand anything you really just said, but what I do understand is that medical says your shoulder is healing. Pierce then looks at Kit and says... it was a shoulder, right? Why, why is he in a wheelchair? The audacity of Adam Pierce. Elton lets him know that there are just some scars that cannot be seen. Kit starts calming Elton down, telling him to breathe. And with the perfect training regimen, he will be back before he knows it and Pretty Deadly will be the best tag team ever. He asks him to give it to him. Do it, Henry. Give me give me a yes, boy.
1: Yes, boy. Yes,
0: boy. Elton hits him with a giant yes, boy. And we move on to the next match. Dude, we, we need pretty deadly badly right now.
1: Just like, and I have nothing further to add because you hit the nail on the head. Even the perfect description description as they're talking about the dainty little flower in the wind oh man um just a taste of them every episode that's it just a little yes boy here and there that's all that we ask for you know i can't wait for them to come back put the brawling brutes down and you know what Maybe you know keep those tag belts warm you know we got to split them up so, because we got to get a hit plate check, you know, of uh, we need some pretty deadly action. We need them to have the belts. It's going to be great. Put them in the ring with uh, Chad Gable. Put them in the ring with Street Profits. You know, put them in the ring with Judgment Day. It's going to be fun stuff.
0: I think that they're going to stick them with a lesser assignment first. I feel like they're going to warm them up with like LWO or something. Um, Obviously, after they take down. Uh, the brawling brutes, and, and then maybe move on to LWO or like whoever ends up being the odd tag team out of the title race. I would, I'd have a hard time seeing them beat like Street Profits though.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say like who? What other uh, tag teams do we even have down on SmackDown? The OC. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that they could do some fun backstage stuff. That could be a cute little. You know, month of stuff between the OC and them. Yeah, ah, but they were trying to put him with Austin Theory last time, so I don't know if they'll try to tie that in somewhere. I,
0: I, I hope not. They can do better. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They they should have like had some sort of uh, you know collaboration with Massey and whatnot.
1: Does that guy even still work for the company now? I have
0: no idea. Probably not. <laughs> So after this, we bounce to a, another backstage segment with Bailey and Dakota Kai. Bailey is telling Dakota that EO has to beat Asuka next week. So Dakota knows that's why she's off training, explains why there is no EO on the show this week. Bailey's saying that's good, but she's the one who's planned everything. All the way back since their debut. Io's never been in the ring one-on-one with Asuka. And she has no idea why she impulsively challenged her. She hopes that Io is ready. Dakota hits her with a all-due respect. You have to be the one to show up against Asuka tonight. Bailey throws it back at her, saying that's easy to say when you're the one recovering from an injury. Dakota tells her that she's has her back, but she's been really distracted with Shotzi. And the real question is, is Bailey ready for Asuka. So I mean this this was just a little set piece for the next match. A little set piece for EO Asuka. Um not not a whole lot of meat to this segment.
1: Yeah, it hypes up the match that we're coming up next week. EO versus Asuka, which should be amazing. We do get the little cut that EO is off training. So, a reason for her not being there. A little more um, seeds of dissension in the damage control. And did I mean, I I wasn't paying too, too much attention. You mentioned Dakota Kai stating that she had her back. I don't recall her having her back at all during this match, if I remember correctly.
0: Well, you know, she's recovering from an injury, so proverbially she has her back. I guess she just meant she'll walk behind her during the intro. Yeah, and we get into the match, so tell me how this went down.
1: Yeah, and one thing that I wanted to note was this episode was sponsored by eBay Motors. Um, I thought that that was an interesting sponsor. I guess you could buy official cars off of ebay or like like i don't even is it supposed to be like a wannabe carvana i gotta <laughs> look that up now you could
0: you could have bought cars off ebay for a long time but usually it's like auction style or you know minimum bid or whatever yeah
1: is ebay making a car like what what's going on right now but um this was a nice little match that we had here um a lot of history between bailey and oscar i feel like they go way back uh to some earlier women's title days I don't know if they had any action down at NXT I believe Bailey was on the main roster long before Oscar joined NXT so it was nothing but main roster action but some classic content here some great wrestling between the two. they're both trying to gain control at the start. we get some nice kicks from Oscar. Um, Bailey does you know get a counter in we get a little bit of ground wrestling. Uh, attempted pin before Oscar kicks out, and Bailey runs away from Oscar as Oscar, you know, kind of swings, misses her kick, and that was a little bit of the taste of the early start of the match. Uh, Bailey was kind of scared, you know, kind of, you know, not really getting after it too much, kind of playing a little bit low key, running back and using underhanded tactics uh, to try to gain control over Oscar. We have one point where Bailey's up against the ropes, and the ref is, you know, kind of trying to give her her space. And then she runs in and grabs Oscar by the hair to throw her down. Um, Oscar is able to come back. She does get a nice shotgun drop kick off the top rope. Um, then we get Oscar out on the apron, and she tries a nice little sliding kick to Bailey, who's on the outside of the ring. Bailey dodges it, sweeps the legs, and sends Oscar face first. Onto the edge of the apron, which we all know is the hardest part of the ring. Um, We do get Bailey up on top and she pushes Oscar into the turnbuckle or or the post, I should say, on the outside of the ring before falling down. And we get a nice little commercial break. Um, As we get back from commercial, Bailey has like a weird... Uh, knee into the back of Asuka pulling back on her chin. Just a you know classic grinding hole during the commercial break. We get a nice little jawbreaker from Asuka to reverse the momentum. Uh, we do get Bailey hitting a nice little stunner through the ropes. Um, not too sure exactly what what that is called, but she's just kind of nice little stunner move um, before hitting a forearm and trying to get a pin. Um, Bailey does try a Sunset flip to get another pin, which gets countered into an arm bar. Now we get Oscar trying to get a little bit of her submission attempts in there. Um, Bailey does, you know, get knocked down, uh, eats a couple boots from Oscar, uh, who is then able to get up and get her with a nice German, um, which led to a nice double down between the two. Um, Oscar is up. She does get a little bit of control. Hits a pop-up knee and a kick uh, before trying a pin on Bailey. Bailey is able to get out of that. Oscar then attempts to hit the double knee code breaker, which is countered by Bailey. Bailey then grabs the legs, hits some stomps to the gut before Oscar catches the leg and uh, tries to pull her into an ankle lock. Eventually. Bailey's able to roll through with the ankle lock, throwing Oscar into the ropes. Um, Oscar then jumps up from the second rope and hits a second rope code breaker to Bailey, getting a nice two count and immediately transitioning into another arm bar onto Bailey. So Oscar's really putting the pressure on Bailey forces uh, Bailey to roll to the ropes rolls outside of the ring. Uh, we then get some outside of the ring brawling. Bailey gains the control. She throws Asuka into the apron, throws her into the barricade, and starts to clear off the announce table. As she goes back to pick up Asuka, who is, you know, regaining her momentum after being thrown into the barricade, she gets surprised by Shotzi, who pops her head up from the crowd and begins to move towards Bailey who is frightened by Shotzi's presence runs back into the ring and is kind of backing away looking into the hard cam away from Shotzi who's standing on the outside and from behind we get Asuka climbing back into the ring and I don't know why she didn't just grab her and put her into the Asuka lock uh, because that would have been perfect but she doesn't she grabs her arms puts her into a backslide one, two, three, Asuka gets the pinfall victory over Bailey after Bailey gets scared by Shotzi and is distracted leading to the pinfall.
0: Yeah, this Shotzi Bailey instance, I'm not wondering if like long game here. So eventually Asuka beats EO, whether it is next week or not. Eventually we get the belt on Asuka. Then Bailey goes after Asuka. Bailey takes it from Asuka, and then Shotzi takes it from Bailey. Because if not, where the fuck is this whole Bailey Shotzi thing going? You know, like they've built it up so much. It's got to go somewhere that big at this point, I feel like.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I really like that storyline there yeah we we toss the belt around a little bit but it all makes sense in the storyline that they're building up right now so i really do like that idea we can also get some more dissension as bailey wins the belt back and eo is fighting to try to get her rematch and while somehow being distracted with that it ends up being her losing her title which could eventually lead to us having a nice little three-way or four-way you know They always love having these multi women's matches to eventually put the belt back on who you want to without having somebody to suffer a bad pinfall. So nice would be nice little storyline there. There was a small taste here between Shotzi and Asuka, potentially a tag team, if they don't work out in the, you know, singles belt era, we might get some good matches between them and Shana and Stark, because I feel like Zoe Stark and Oscar—that's money. So let's get them in the ring as quickly as we can. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. Um, I wouldn't with all these like super long reigns that we've been having. I wouldn't mind a belt that like bounced around a little bit. It would bring some because right now I feel like the majority of us very much feel like a belt is not changing hands outside of a ple and it'll be like maybe one belt changes but 80 percent of the time everybody retains i feel like that's how it's been for a while now so if they just pulled the plug on us and had a belt bounce around even if it's just one belt i feel like it would make us all kind of more on our toes again instead of just kind of always feeling like we know what's gonna happen
1: yeah for sure and then it'll give a nice little mix up in that division because there's where is it going? You know.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, over over on the raw side, it feels like Rhea is never gonna lose, and until maybe Jade comes in or or whatnot. Um, Smack that. Uh, yeah, Smackdown side though. Like I, the roster is. I mean, a little more up in the air. So you could do more fun things with it.
1: One hundred percent, and we are just leading up until survivor series so we might get some traditional survivor series matches where we can get maybe Asuka ripley um i can't remember when we had a singles match between them but i feel like that'd be a fun little match if they slid that in there maybe even bailey ripley i feel like i don't know if they've ever wrestled each other
0: i don't recall um But I would probably enjoy that one. I I think that would be a match. And that's a good PLE match too. So I'll take it. Um, After Shotzi gets the fist bump from Asuka, we come back to the Grayson Waller effect. The moment maker. The Aussie icon. And it was announced well in advance that his guest tonight would be the greatest of all time himself john cena waller opens it up saying that he's had the opportunity to share uh, to have some huge guests on the grace and waller effect hall of famers social media superstars men and women who think they are the goat but honestly that moniker belongs to one person and one person alone his special guest for the night Uh, He says that he is so glad that he's on the show, despite the fact that he's headlined multiple WrestleManias, won championship after championship, stars in Hollywood blockbusters. His star is starting to fade quicker than his hairline. But don't worry. His rise to the top starts tonight, courtesy of the Grayson Waller rub. He introduces the greatest of all time, John Cena. Cena makes his entrance. Mega pops as always. Great Cena chance from the crowd. So now we get Cena in the ring. Before Cena gets a chance to say anything, Waller looks at him and he says, you know, wow, this is like a dream, right? I think we all kind of gave the benefit of the doubt to Grayson Waller that he was talking about it's a dream to be able to have John Cena on the Grayson Waller Effect and interview the greatest of all time but no it must really be an honor to be on the Grayson Waller Effect you know when Grayson Waller talks to grownups he takes his hat off like his mother taught him which another little jab at the Colorado Colorado State Beef, another ode to Dion Sanders. Waller tells him that he asked him to be on the show for a reason. As a host, I think he needs some help, kid. He needs some advice because he's out here stealing the spotlight. You need to be more like Grayson Waller, he says. Just sit back and watch the stars shine. Cena goes to speak, but once again, Waller interrupts him to continue. He tells him that he has to make it all about himself one more time, and in fact, at payback, he got in the ring, but not as a competitor, as a special guest referee. He had the audacity to come out here and lie to these people. He's lying to everyone. He knows it. Cena knows it. Everyone knows it. He doesn't want to be an in-ring competitor anymore. Truth hurts, and there's No doubt that Cena is one of the greatest of all time. But there's also no doubt that he's even close to being the greatest of right now. And in fact, he hasn't been the same at WrestleMania since his homie Austin Theory, who just whooped the rock, he took the moment to remind us all of, beat him. Cena gets kind of pissed. Gets down to the skin, takes his shirt off, his hat off, throws it all into the audience. Waller stops him saying, hey, this is a talk show and it's his time to speak. So Cena gets his moment to say something. Except we don't. Jimmy Uso makes an entrance. Gets in the ring and has a stare down with Cena. Cena has his moment to say something. But he doesn't. Jimmy Uso takes the mic right out of Cena's hands as he's about to say something. Kangaroo Jack, you got a point here, my dude, Jimmy opens it up with. Nobody wants you here, John. Nobody. He told him that two weeks ago. They're here to see him. Jim Uso, which I thought was very interesting to to use the Jim Uso as we're talking about main event Jay. And potentially becoming main event Jim. crowd is breaking out in Cena Chance at this point. Jimmy tells him that the crowd loves him. But check it out, Oos. He came here to tell Cena to his face. You trying to embarrass me like you did two weeks ago? Do it. Because if you ain't going to do it, shut up and get the hell out of my ring. So... John Cena, again, can't even fucking respond because we get another entrance. Solo, Sokoa, and John Heyman make their way down to the ring. Solo immediately goes face-to-face with Cena. Jimmy is sitting there saying, Yeah, what you gonna do now, John? (laughs) Solo turns around and goes to choke out Jimmy. He acts like he's gonna spike him, but then... Pivots and immediately super kicks Cena in the face. Jimmy goes to dap Solo up right after it. Solo acts like he's not even there. And then just goes right to Cena. Beating him down in the corner. Jimmy joins him. They're stomping him down in the corner. And we get another entrance. AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, comes out to save his pal John Cena. Style goes right after Jimmy. Get some really nice shots in. Solo tosses AJ to the ground, but Cena comes and takes Solo out. AJ lays Jimmy out in the middle of the ring, and Cena hits him with the second most dramatic moment in sports entertainment history, the five-knuckle shuffle. Cena gets Jimmy up for the AA, but Heyman starts yelling at Solo to save Jimmy. Solo gets Jimmy down before Cena can hit the AA and the show ends with Cena and AJ in the ring to Cena's music and we get a fade out. So this was a wild last 15 minutes or whatever it was of the show. Um I mean ending on a segment you had to know it was going to be pretty wild knowing that The Rock was in the building, Cena was in the building there's so many people there there's so much tension backstage right now with so many different little like facets of the ins and outs of the bloodline and the oc and john cena and where it all fits in together and on top of the mountain you've got the aussie icon man how'd you feel about this segment
1: man this was a lot And one thing I would like to point out is this just shows the current state of WWE right now and no negativity or anything of the sort. It's Friday night. Smackdown is the show where, you know, you're there to find out what's going to happen. What's the story? Why are they fighting? Because a lot of what we've been seeing lately, the bloodline, you know, it's been the soap opera. It's been, you know, what are they doing and, and not, you know, when are they fighting and, Ending this episode on a segment just shows that's how much drawing power those segments have been bringing in that. They're like, yeah, you know, we're going to hype up all these store lines and they're going to eat it up because this is sort of to be continued. And now we're on the edge because we know we got some matches next week. They announced, you know, some matches. Great. We know what's going to happen. But what about everything else? You know, there's there's another hour and a half in the show. Besides that, hopefully they give 30 minutes to that women's match because it's going to, you know, be amazing there's a lot of things um, that we are eager to see with all these individuals here tonight. Um, a few small things and highlights that I noted when Paul was basically taking the leash off of Solo to go save Jimmy, he was on the phone, I believe. Um, it looked like I, like he was on the phone with Roman, I'm, I'm assuming, and Roman made the call to go save Jimmy. And as you know, right before we kind of fade to black and they're playing Cena's music, I feel they kind of cut out quickly. But Paul was on the phone. It looked like he was on the phone holding Solo while talking to Roman. It looked like that's what was going on. So looks like Roman was watching. He made the call to save Jimmy. And hopefully they play into that a little bit more. And that wasn't just something that happened in the background that I'm making more of than they actually are. But this was great. Grayson Waller was out here having the time of his life just dancing in the background you know as people are coming out enjoying the show talking so much shit to um cena uh to start i don't know if cena ever spoke on this this whole segment here he did time, not okay yeah every time he was about to you know waller cuts him off cuts him off he's about to and we get ooh so and he cuts him off smacks the mic out of his hand And he just never had the opportunity before he started fighting. And then the show ends. And he's just kind of in there with AJ. And man, he's got some history with AJ. They put on one of the best WWE matches, you know, quote unquote, according to ratings. But I really love the match. That was the first time I've seen John Cena do a... He hit an AA and he held on to AJ, rolled through, standing back up, and then hit another AA. It was a beautiful... I think it was like the 2016 um maybe survivor series or summer slam that was an amazing match between those two gentlemen that was uh, that might
0: be i mean up there with with the 2011 cena cm punk money in the bank that's up there for probably john's best matches you know
1: yeah like crazy certain matches just stick in my head and i'll never forget that just because that ending i've never seen anything like that from john cena and I am I hope we get one more of those, you know, just one more before, you know, his uh, balding hairline does catch up to him. We need we need one more.
0: Yeah, I mean, the hairline goes any further back. He starts shaving his head, gets a tan and you won't be able to tell the difference between him and Rock in the ring.
1: <laughs> except, except. The Rock is much taller. When they had that backstage segment, I was like, I did not know that (laughs) the height difference was, you know, this severe between them two.
0: Yeah, they're both on the same jacked scale, though. Actually, John might be bigger these days.
1: Yeah, he might be actually. But wonderful way to end the show. Um, Hopefully, we get some. Some tag action, you know. Let's get Cena in the ring with AJ Styles. Let's get Jimmy. Let's get solo. Shit. Let's get Grayson Waller in there, you know? Um, we could have some fun stuff. Dude, I
0: could I can see that being a fast lane match of I there's two possibilities. We could get AJ and Cena versus Solo and Jimmy, or we could get a Triple Threat Tag Match of Cena and AJ versus Jimmy and Solo versus Waller and Theory. I got you. I I could go for either. I mean, uh, to me, those three tag sometimes is just too much. But I definitely would go for Solo Jimmy, John AJ.
1: Yeah, that would be some great shit. And then we, uh, you know solo and jimmy are gonna fuck up and end up losing to piss off roman even more
0: i'm kind of hoping roman comes back from this break with like some other brothers cousins second third cousin you know what i mean like more people in the family and being like yo i went out and recruited because y'all couldn't get it done
1: there is a um i don't know his name right I don't, another fatu Um, On the indie scene in Booker T's promotion and he recently let his contract expire down there and he's like a cousin like a legitimate he's a he's a legitimate usus right. Um, But he has a nice little pop up uh, spike so. Wouldn't be fun. And that's what people have been talking about is him bringing in more people to eventually spice things up because anybody who comes in immediately gonna have that rub and it's automatically gonna have credibility just being around the guy so
0: yeah i mean look look at how quickly solo was built up really you know it how long did it take him to get pinned in the ring and i still has he even been pinned in a solos match I don't think so,
1: and what what were they calling him the street king or what what were they calling him before?
0: I don't even remember, dude
1: he's the enforcer of the bloodline now, you know what I'm saying he's a beast, he's a monster, but before he was like the street king or something like that, like and nobody, yeah, he made that come up, man, so
0: hey, they better abuse it while they can you know i i don't I'm not familiar with the kid you're talking about, but if he's good in the ring, dude. Make it happen. I think it would work out really well. Um, but I I really liked what you pointed out about how the juxtaposition of SmackDown and Raw, of, you know, you, right now you expect banger matches from Raw, and you get banger matches from Raw, because as I've talked about, it just so much, I, I feel like the in-ring talent is so much tilted on the side of Raw right now. Um and you've got some really good people in SmackDown, but some of those really good people don't appear very often. So you're right. The fact that basically the main event of SmackDown was a segment, and that says a lot, um, in a good way. And we were all, I mean, I, I don't know the viewership numbers, but I'm sure they went up a lot towards the end of the show. I'm sure, especially with the Jimmy and Solo stuff, as you were alluding to earlier, I know I was, um, kind of deep down hoping that maybe this is when Rock gets involved with his family for fucking once, uh, instead of teasing the fact that he was set to headline WrestleMania. Um... And I know we've all wanted Rock Roman for a long time right now and how just absolutely poetic it would be for The Rock to dethrone Roman, if that's even possible. But to even just have those two in the ring together, how poetic that would be. Um, But no, he was nowhere to be found amidst this family drama.
1: Yeah, uh, there was a small little cameo in The Young Rock show. I believe there was like a he had like a championship belt or he had like a picture of himself and Roman when he was younger or something along those lines, kind of hinting at that when he had his little TV show that was out there, which was pretty enjoyable. But I did like that they spiced up this end so much that I was like, and as we saw in what I just said about that segment, I didn't mention The Rock at all when we talked about, The bloodline and where the storyline's going, and Roman coming back, and everything amongst that. We just saw the show with The Rock on it, and he wasn't even on my mind. I'm just excited to see what goes on with The Bloodline. Like, if The Rock gets involved, holy shit, my brain can't even fathom that, let alone just the things that they might be going on right now. So I feel like they need to, they don't have to talk about it, they could let it be tongue in cheek. You Know and eventually explain it because whenever they do, it's gonna make sense because it's you know, somebody's gonna be like, You ignored me, like it's gonna be Jimmy or Jay, and be like, You ignored me, we were calling for you, and then the rocks and be like, I didn't ignore you, I was giving you space to be a man and handle it yourself, but it looks like I'm gonna have to handle it for you or some nonsense, <laughs> yeah, because you were candy ass, <laughs> you know, and then he's gonna beat down Jimmy and then it's, we're going to get to stare down between The Rock and Roman. I don't know how these guys are going to stare down each other in the middle of the ring and keep a straight face because I feel like they both, they got to be so happy for each other, so happy for this moment to occur, know what it's taken to get here and where they've both been to act serious in this moment and not smile. I feel like that might, that's going to be one of the biggest challenges in both of their careers.
0: They're up for it. And this, the whole journey of the bloodline has been so magical. I, how much more magical would it even be if it caps off with The Rock getting involved? I, I think that's probably on most of our wish lists. I, I don't believe that it'll happen. I don't think that it's going to happen. I really hope that it happens, though.
1: Yeah, man that's all we need man we just need night one jay versus jimmy night two the rock versus roman
0: oh dude don't even tempt me please make this happen so obviously there was a lot to talk about in this smackdown because it was a very segment heavy smackdown but i do want to go over and cover the nxt card real quick as we had some pretty important things happen there um we had a handful of matches i believe we had one two three eight matches so it opened up with Ilya dragunov versus wes lee in a match to decide who is the number one contender and will be challenging carmelo hayes and dragunov comes out the winner here so we get a rematch there of a killer match previously And I expect a blockbuster follow-up. Then we had a six-man tag match with Drew Gulak, Charlie Dempsey, Damon Kemp against Josh Briggs, Brooks Jensen, and Miles Bourne. Uh, Gulak, Dempsey, and Kemp come out on top in that match. Uh, We had a women's match between Lyra Valkyria and Dana Brooke. Lyra Valkyria wins on the pinfall in that one. We had a Heritage match. We had Tyler Bate versus Axiom, where Tyler Bate got the win there. A tag match between the Creed Brothers versus Malik Blade and Edris Enofe. And Creed Brothers won that. Another Heritage match between Nathan Frazier and Akira Tozawa. Easy win for Frazier there. And we had the main event, Tiffany Stratton, Tiffany Epiphanies, versus the man, Becky Lynch, for the NXT Women's Championship. And Becky Lynch wins the belt she never had. She takes down Tiffany Stratton in a phenomenal match with a manhandle slam. She broke out several disarm hers. Like, I feel Becky is back on the come up right now. Um, and it was so good seeing, like, how genuinely happy. Like, there are just smiles you can't fake. And the smile that she had from having that belt was just heartwarming. Um Great, great episode of NXT. Some real quick standing updates for the Global Heritage Invitational. Um, In Group A, we have Butch on top with three points. Second place, we've got Tyler Bate with two points. Third place, Axiom with one point. In the last, we have Charlie Dempsey with zero points. Group B: We have Joe Coffee and Nathan Frazier, both with four points. Joe Coffee is on top because he's two and zero. Nathan Frazier would be in second with two and one. Um, Duke Hudson is in third place with two points, and then Akira Tozawa has yet to win a match; zero points for Akira Tozawa. Uh, some quick updates there. Uh, we have some good NXT action coming up that we found out on this last one. You know, we're going to have at No Mercy, we're going to have Braun Breaker versus uh, Baron Corbin. That'll be a pretty interesting match. Next week on NXT, we have champion versus champion Carmelo Hayes versus Dirty Dom Mysterio. Uh, I think that's a good opportunity for Dom to get his ass beat. And I can't really imagine that happening any other way. So,
1: a good, uh, good next week in wrestling. Yeah, man. Um, nice little show. I need to go back and rewatch watch and get some more details there. One thing I did want to comment on. I feel this whole NXT championship title picture between Wesley Dragunov and Melo. I think somehow we're going to end up getting a three way. I think somehow this three way is going to end up with Mello pinning Wesley to finally end the beef between them two. But to continue on with Dragonov being able to say you couldn't beat mean. And I eventually think we're going to get probably the big Royal Rumble pay per view um, for NXT, where we get the big one on one match and we get, you know, a 36 minute fucking banger between Mellow and Dragunov where Dragunov finally wins the title and that allows Mellow to move up, maybe make his main roster debut in the Royal Rumble or something along those lines. But I, I feel like that's where that's going, especially we've got this little Dom thing uh, to just kind of push things out because, you know, he's Dom's not a real contender competitor in the nxt championship division so just something to pass the time uh speaking of big pay-per-views one final thing i wanted to harp back on uh, as we were finishing the smackdown show and we we're discussing uh roman versus the rock it just dawned on me as well the last time the roman and rock were in philadelphia was when Roman got booed out of the building in two thousand and fifteen at the Royal Rumble, and they had to send the rock out there to try to send the crowd home happy because nobody wanted Roman to win and this was back when everybody hated Roman, so wouldn't it be poetic justice to see them to end the show again in Philadelphia with a much different crowd reaction? Dude, even more of a reason why this needs to happen it's all all the stars are aligning, may it happen.
0: Um, as far as the NXT picture goes, I don't know. They had a weird segment where Wes Lee, after the match, was like really beat down and and was basically said, "You know, I'm packing on my shit and I'm going home." So, uh, I I see more likely that Dragonov takes the belt from Carmelo Hayes and then Wes Lee eventually comes out of the woodwork and wants to re up against Dragonov. I could see that being a possibility. Um it was just like a weird segment that they kind of threw in there of him just like leaving the building.
1: <laughs> he's always, he's
0: he's in his feelings a lot. <laughs> he certainly was after the match. It was a really good match too. Um which I think we all expected it to be uh hopefully some of this talent will get to carry over into the main roster at some point because I think those three especially um, Dragonov, Wesley, and uh, Carmelo Hayes I, I think are exceptional. I mean obviously you move them up then NXT basically becomes devoid of men's talent aside from what Braun Breaker and you know some of these other guys Nathan Frazier and Joe Coffey Tyler Bate even um yeah, the NXT Heritage Division. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> um, however, uh, I think that could even be more of a possibility as the potential reported changes to the belt structure um, in the WWE now with the merger with the parent company of the UFC, in that there have been some rumors that they could be reintroducing weight divisions, stuff like a cruiserweight championship. So, you know, where I'm trying to go with this is that, you know, there's, there's a place for Wesley, uh, and, and guys of that size. Hey, maybe Akira Tozawa doesn't have to lose a match. (laughs) That could be interesting. So if, if we get to the point where they reintroduce weight classes, I feel like that could be a pretty large shakeup to the dynamic of the roster.
1: Yeah, I. If they do that, I just hope it doesn't fall into these stereotypical. We only care about the heavyweight title picture. Nobody cares about the cruiserweights because we had a cruiserweight belt and it ended up getting sucked into, I believe the NXT title belt. I believe the NXT title belt sucked in like the old UK belt. Like it just they gave up on the the whole division. And man, like. I didn't watch much 205 Live, but the division was stacked, you know, and the, the Cruiserweight Classic from 2016 was probably one of the best tournaments WWE's ever put on, and they pulled out some random names that unfortunately they weren't able to keep and sign, but some great talent, and I'd love to see more of that, especially if we can get some more action, but they got to give them as much show time you know, as much, you know, like soap opera, storyline, build them up, give me the characters, make me care. You know, I don't need to just see them flipping every week. You know, I need to know I need to care about them, or else I'm not gonna, you know, be too invested into their matches.
0: Yeah, and I think the the main thing that has changed that opens that door as a possibility, um, something that's happened since they last had that cruiserweight division is the success of aew and the fact that there are several smaller guys in that roster i think wwe has always favored the behemoths because they're usually what is physically and aesthetically impressive um however we see some of the top guys in aew be tiny dudes you know uh, orange cassidy Uh, you know, uh, Darby Allen, uh, Adam Cole is a smaller dude, and when you consider, you know, uh, guys like L.A. Knight and and whatnot, so I think that success could lead to them giving it proper treatment, if that makes sense.
1: I sure hope so, and maybe putting people like a Seth Rollins, who is in that weight class and division if we're quote unquote counting some of these cruiserweights or weight divisions i feel like the people that are in his weight class and division aren't in his weight class and division for the heavyweight championship belt if you know what i'm saying yeah yeah we'll we'll close it out here
0: it's uh, a lot of fun things to look forward to next week um i'm excited for the things to come Definitely SmackDown. You will hear from us next covering the upcoming edition, the September 18th edition of Monday Night Rollins.
1: But take us home, Henron. Yes, sir. It's been a wonderful evening. Blessing you all once again with our voices, giving you some of the news from the most recent episodes of Friday Night SmackDown and NXT. We'll catch you next time for Monday night raw have a good night everybody deuces deuces